Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, everybody. This is Kitchen Table Theology. I'm Pastor Jeff Cranston, and we're coming to you today with a special podcast. And yeah, I'm excited about it because it's my friend Daniel Lucas. Daniel is with us, and we're going to talk today about the Asbury Revival. Daniel, for right now, we'll call it a, a revival. And the reason Daniel's coming on is because he was he was there and he witnessed it about a week ago. And I wanted you to hear from Daniel, and I'm sure you've heard about what's going on at Asbury University. I get asked about it every day, pretty much, and people wondering what's going on and if I'm aware of it. And if it's if it's new to you, an ordinary chapel service took place a few weeks ago, not not very long ago actually, and it's not stopped. It's it's been going 24/7 for a couple of weeks now. Just an ordinary chapel service that turned into an ongoing service of praise and worship, confession of sin, celebration of salvation, and it's garnered attention from all over the world and since February the 8th is when this happened and they had a regular chapel service a guy gave a message normal singing a very normal chapel service and then he felt compelled the preacher who spoke that day to go back and yes they did an altar call of sorts and people began to pour down to the altar of the chapel and something started to happen and the university put word out to their students said hey something's going on in chapel we encourage you to go by and about 200 more students showed up fairly immediately, my understanding, and it has not stopped yet. And it's turned into a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's grown larger and larger each day. This past weekend, the weekend of February 18 and 19, over 20,000 people came. This is in a town of Wilmore, Kentucky, of about 6,000 people. So they have been rather overwhelmed. And this is not the first time that this has happened at Asbury. There was a revival of similar proportion to this in 1970, but now they're moving it off campus as of tomorrow, the 23rd of February. Because it is a university, they do have to have classes again and so forth. So they're moving it off site, and Daniel's going to share a little bit about that. But before we get into that, let me just tell you that Daniel is the lead pastor and founder of Better Life Church. It's just a great name for a church, Daniel. And he started it in 2008, and over 3,000 people have come to faith in Christ since then, since then. And they are one church now in three locations, in Kentucky, in Moorhead and Grayson, and Ashland, Kentucky. So you Kentuckians who listen, you probably know all about Better Life Church. And Pastor Daniel lives in Moorhead with his wife, Leanne, and he has four children, Caleb, Logan, Jake, and Sadie. So, Daniel Lucas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, Pastor Jeff, I'm super excited to be here with you, man. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, you went you went on February the 16th, I believe, over to Asbury, and you were there, and you experienced it. So many of us have heard about it, but have been unable to talk to anybody who's actually been there. Tell us about your experience. 
Yeah. So that morning we got up and took a handful of our staff and my wife went with us. And of course, we didn't know really what to expect. We just seen the things on, you know, online. And, you know, as a pastor myself, I was really excited to see, you know, what was taking place. And and so when we got there, we're only about an hour and 15 minutes away from Asbury. So when we got there, it was raining. And the night before, they shut it down at 1 o'clock that, at a.m. that night. And to give everybody a break, that's the first time I believe they'd done that. And they reopened the chapel back up at noon. And so for about two hours, we stood out in the rain. It was cold and with the umbrella waiting to get in. And we were probably towards the front. But within about an hour of being there, before I knew it, there was probably 600 people behind us in line just to get into the chapel. And and it was raining. And two of the girls in front of me, we asked them where they were from. And they said, we drove almost four hours this morning just to get here. And they were standing in line for at least three just to get into the chapel. And so, you know, that that right there, first of all, was like overwhelming because, you know, as pastors, you're like, people, are, you're early for church. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're early to get here. You're standing, Something is happening. <laughs> you're standing in the rain for a prayer and worship service. Come on. So I'm jacked up now. Like, oh, goodness gracious. No, because <laughs> you normally don't see that. And so about noon, the chapel opened and we went in and everybody kind of filed in orderly. And of course, you know, again, I didn't know really what to expect and. The gentleman who preached the sermon that that sparked that revival get up, get, got up and gave a few house rules and orders and it said, hey, you know, uh, it doesn't matter who you are. Your name doesn't matter here. Jesus matters. So very upfront. If you love to pray and you're a prayer warrior, we have training for prayer counselors. You need to put on a gray lantern. So we want to walk you through how we're praying and people are confessing and repenting and how to lead them to Christ. If that's you, glad you love how to pray, but we want to walk you through that. Please meet us in the back. So just a few house orders. It's a very old sanctuary. Said if you're on the balcony and you like to jump, please come down right now. Don't jump on the balcony. It's a hundred year old sanctuary. Literally do not put your Bibles on the edge. They have fallen off and hitting people like just little house rules, like where the rest stuff were and just like the order we're going to do this. And of course they're trying their best to maintain this. Like you said, thousands of people, they weren't expecting for that to happen. And then he said, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to search your heart, repent, confess. And then when you're ready, you're more welcome to stand and worship and with us. They also said the first eight rows of the sanctuary is roped off and our heartbeat and passion is for young people. And it's reserved for the young people, 25 and younger. If that frustrates you, please don't let that frustrate you, he says. Let that inspire you to beg God to pour out his spirit upon this generation. So be praying for those seats to be filled. I think the shocking thing at first for me was only about 25% of the people at that time, of course, it's noon in the middle of the day, about 25% were actually probably under age 25. The rest of the people were senior adults, different nationalities all over the place. I mean, I would say grandma and grandpa's, you know, you know, I'm, of course I'm 45, but I would say grandma and grand, senior adults weeping and begging God to save young people. So yeah. it wasn't just like all these young people, college students, which it did spark at the time that I was there. We had kids there, families were there, uh, different nationalities. And so that was just a blessing to see that generation begging for God to do something in the next generation. And then worship began and it was nothing. There was no script. There was no things on the screen it was if you knew the song fine and a guy with the one acoustic guitar stood up there and i prayed most of the time i was just praying god speak to me is there anything between me and you i was confessing sin is there anything between me and you search my heart oh god no if there's anything between me and you 
what do you want to say to me? Why'd you bring me here? You know, I was focused on God. What do you want to do with me? You know, what was you wanting to do? Because you and I know, I mean, revival is not for lost people. Revival is for the church. Right. Lost right. people need revival before they can get revived. Yeah. They need life. Yeah. For God to revive. So God, what do you want to do in me and my wife? And we just sat there and prayed. And um, and before you know it, two hours passed, man. That was the most crazy thing is like sitting in a, a worship experience, a service. And the worship, how do I explain it? It was like, I don't know if it was the acoustics of the room, this old 100-year-old sanctuary, but everyone singing in unison, this sweet, sweet spirit. It was a beautiful. If I could explain, it was beautiful. It wasn't no show. It was no one was there for, at least in the area that I was in. Like, it was it was just beautiful, man. Just the singing was just gorgeous. If I could put it, it was just like some sweet spirit sounding to your ear. And so after praying most of the time, asking God to search my heart, what do you want to say to me? We just stand and, and worship. And so for me, of course, everybody's opinion and things will be subjective because you, I don't know what you bring into that. Some of you, you know, we could come with baggage. We could come in with unconfessed sin. You could come in with your own theological bent to revival. You could come in with skepticism. You could come. So everybody's subjective to that. For me, what my takeaways was, number one, everyone wanted to be there. Yeah. If everyone who was there wanted to be there. Right. That was amazing. They wanted to be there. Number two, they're all there, at best so I can understand, thinking the same thing. God, speak to me and move. I want to experience you. I want more of you. Yeah. And then on top of that, everyone was unified. And so when you have people who are seeking God, <laughs> confessing sin, and unified, but that's amazing. And the, and the crazy thing is we could have that every single day at our church. We could have that every Sunday morning when we walk in. Right. Because it's not so much a place because the Holy Spirit is a beautiful picture of we get to bring the Holy Spirit who's within us to a, a building. There's nothing special about a building. God don't dwell in man-made things. But when the Spirit who we bring with us come in all unison and love and unity and confession our sins, man, that just, that was the overwhelming experience for me. And so can I say I felt different? You have to be careful with your feelings. We know that. Mm-hmm. The feel was as a pastor, it was super excited to be in a place where everyone wanted to be there and everyone was seeking God. One o'clock in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah. and, and I turned around, I started thinking, do these people have a job where they work? And then I looked at, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm here. I'm sitting. <laughs> so yeah. And so I, I, on the way back, I was telling with our staff was, what's so amazing about that is we have the same Holy Spirit within us who wants to see this in all areas. And what if right. we could come to our church, you know, our community of faith, and bring a sense of unity, repenting of our sins, urging and anticipating. See, I think that's a big one. When you show up, you're anticipating God's going to do something. What if we came to church expecting, anticipating, confessed our sins before we got there? Because church should be an overflow of what God's been doing in our life that week. Not so much just to come in like, you know, I don't know, um, energy from Sunday morning. And I'm glad we do that. But we should bring for what God's been doing in our heart on Sunday morning. So... I left with it very hopeful going, wow, how can we can't have this every Sunday? How can we get, you know, this can't happen every single Sunday in every churches across America. And I'm praying it does. And so for this past Sunday, we had our all-time highest non-holiday attendance post-COVID. And there's no doubt it's due to what's stirring up, what's going on in people's lives right now. There's no doubt it's all over. Because right here in our backyard, you know, just yeah. an hour away. So people's like, what's going on? What is this? <laughs> you know, outpouring of God's spirit. And and that's one thing too, Pastor Jeff, when I was there, they didn't label this. 
He said, you, some people might call it a revival. Some people might call it an outpouring. All that we can say is this. We were once blind and now we see. That's all we can say. You can call it what you want to call it. We just wanted more of the Lord and we just want to seek him. And whatever you want to label, you can label it. But here's what we know. We were once blind, but now our eyes have been opened and we have tasted the Lord and he is good. And and then we went into worship. And so you may have some questions about that, but that was our experience. It was it was a beautiful experience. And I'm hoping and praying it, it breaks forth in all churches across our country, especially and across the world. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens now that they are, I don't know how to term it, not, they're not shutting it down, but they are no longer going to be doing what they have been doing. And it, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Will it, you know, we've already heard this taking place at some other universities. I don't know if you're familiar with the name J. Edwin Orr, or if anybody in our kitchen table theology audience is, but if you want to know more about revival, an awakening, I would encourage you just Google J, just the letter J, J. Edwin Orr. And he was, during his lifetime, he died probably around 40 years ago now. He was the foremost authority on revivals and awakenings in history. And uh, I've read much of much of what he's written. Listen, you can still, if you YouTube him, you'll be able to watch some of his teaching on, on video, kind of old now, but still there. But he, he's chronicled seven great revivals in the world since the, the birth of the church in Acts 2. And he said six of the seven of them started with students. You know, the Great Awakening in America during the colonial times started with students. You had the, the Haystack prayer meeting over in England, which started with students. That, and to see this, again, start with students. And I love the fact that they were, they were making room for that demographic to be there. And and being a grandfather, I loved what you said about the grandmas and grandpas in, in there and, and praying for that, that, younger, that younger generation. You know, Daniel, I was reading today in the Gospel Coalition website that just came out a couple of days ago. Trevin Wax wrote an article called The Burning Question from Asbury Isn't About Asbury. And uh, Kitchen Table Theologians, we will we'll link that article for you in the show notes. But he was talking about, is, is this revival or is this awakening? And as you, I think, mentioned, you know, revival happens within the church. Awakening is when unsaved people become saved. Awakening has a great deal to do with evangelism, but revival happens in the church. And he talked about some of the signs that when this happens, and he said, first, when, when revival happens or awakenings happen, he said, first, things get messy because it's really that manageable. You know, we, we want to manage everything. And I, I love what you shared. You know, there's no misters going on. There's no light show. There's, I watched it for an extended period, their live stream. And it's just all very viral. It just feels very natural. There's, there's nothing planned. And somebody would start to sing and everybody would join in and, and then it would die down and people would be praying. And at the altar, probably exactly what you saw. And then some other song would start up and and off they'd go again. And so it, it's really not that manageable, which is okay. It's just the way it happens. And he says, second, revival seekers always show up and not all of them with pure motives. And I've noticed that, you know, the one thing that's different about this than has ever happened before in our country is social media. 
Mm-hmm. And that that has gotten the word out big time. And I was very wary at first. I thought, oh, no, the preachers and sneakers crowd are going to start showing up. And sure enough, you know, they did and would post pictures of themselves up there. But I think we, we really need to appreciate what you said, Daniel. Everything happening there can happen in our local church. Sure. We, we don't have to go somewhere. You know, I, I read today of people who've flown in from the Netherlands and from Europe and from Asia. They're coming in from all over the world. But everything that's happening there can happen in our in our local assembly every Sunday. And really, it does happen, maybe not in the way that we're seeing it at Asbury, but some of those same things happen. Your church, my church, people are confessing sin, right? We are singing praises. We are we are praying together and, and so forth. I just want to know, just wonder if you want to just expand on that a little bit. Just that what what's happening there, there's no reason, uh, there's nothing precluding it from happening at Better Life Church or at Low Country Community Church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we know there can be no revival without repentance. And so repentance right. is what in revival when people repent. And, and that's what we try to do every Sunday. And when we open up God's word, the word of God's offensive. The Word of God will cut to the quick. The Word of God, that's why we elevate the Word of God. And without the Word of God, you know, leading us to see that our sin, then where does revival flow? And so, I mean, but that's on every one of us. We can come in with already a repentant heart. God, before we even step in the floor, the door, what's between us, Lord? What's between me? Search my heart. Like if you're listening to this and you attend church somewhere, you can do this every morning before you go, God, what's between me and you? I want my heart pure before I listen to your word and worship with our family. Come in with the ante- you know, anticipation, expecting, God, you're going to move today. You're going to move in my life. Today, as I sit and listen to your worship, you're going to speak to me. I want more of you. I want to hear you, what you have to say to me. And then come in with ears to hear. You know, church has just been checked off as an extracurricular activity. I checked it off. I went to church today. Okay, great. Now let's hit the lake. Let's beach. Let's hit, you know, to the shopping. Let's go. But what if we just pause for a moment and let's just say, you know, God, what do you have to say to me today? What do you want to speak to me? There's a reason why you brought me to this local church. There's a reason why you woke me up today to come to this, you know, assembly. What is it you want to say to me? And I'm telling you, you come with ears to hear, you know, God will speak to you. I know you know this, Pastor Jeff. People probably come to you and say, Pastor Jeff. That's the best message I've ever heard you preach. And and what I want to say to him is, no, it's probably the first message you just heard me preach. Because I promise, I promise that was not my best. Your ears were just open to hear today what God wanted to say to you. Right. And so if we would come with that expectation, because here's the thing, no one has the corner of the Holy Spirit. We have all the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit that teaches us and guides us and convicts us and draws us to the Father, it doesn't matter where you are, the place. And the thing is, we hear this happen in third world countries, revival breaking out, you know, things are taking place and cities are being transformed and changed. And now that we're, you know, in, in, in ours, in America, especially when something like this happens, when everything's negative, when you see people worship satanic stuff and everybody are, are mm-hmm. society and what Hollywood wants to put out there. Now something like this happens. And hopefully I'm hoping that like, you, I love what you said there, that that awakening takes place, that there is, like there will be fruit. I mean, I'm reminded of the um, Wells Revival. That was in 1904. You mentioned some of the revivals. Right. And, you know, I don't know how much you read about that, but there's this guy named Evan, and he heard that he was at a prayer meeting, and the prayer was, Lord Evan bend Evans. Us. Yeah. He said, Lord, bend yeah. us. So that week he began to pray, God, Lord, bend me. God, Lord, bend me. So he went home to his church and said, can we have a week-long prayer meeting for young people? And they said, sure. On October 31st, 1904, 
17 young people stayed after a prayer meeting, and here was his message. He had four points to his message. He said, you must put away all unconfessed sins. You must put away any doubtful habit that you have. You must obey the Spirit promptly, and you must confess Christ publicly. That was his four-point sermon. And in that message, in the next two months, 70,000 people were saved. In the next five months, 85,000 people were saved. And within six months, 100,000 people were saved that we know of, that was recorded. All because one person said, Lord, bend me. God, break me. God, help me. Help me see you. Could you imagine thousands of believers would do that, Pastor Jeff? Just our own churches would come with that mindset. God, would you break my heart? Would you, you know, would you bend me? Man, I'm telling you, I'm fired up about it. In fact, I'm thinking about doing a series called Revival. I'm just going to preach that message and say, this has happened 100 plus years ago. Let's preach the same message. Let's get our churches to walk that way. But I'm with you. I believe it can happen tonight. And this, during this recording, we're actually having a worship experience for our college students. And so we have no, we don't know what to expect. We're just hoping and praying because we are an hour away and, and Moorhead State University does an outpouring of God's spirit, no doubt about mm-hmm. it on that campus. Mm-hmm. And so you can't schedule revival. You can't plan for revival. You can't say we're going to have a fall revival and just hoping that, you know, it's like, you know what, we're just going to trust God's going to move and, uh, come with expectation every day but the crazy thing about evan in that is that it's recorded that he was been praying for 13 years as a coal miner he was a coal miner he prayed for 13 years that god would bring a spiritual awakening and god took a coal miner and god the usher in yeah. one of the greatest revivals ever so that's what i'm praying for for your church our church and for the big c church across the world well let's keep praying for that and tomorrow night we we kick off a ministry for young adults for eighteen to twenty five year olds, and uh, we know right now we there there's about forty people that are planning to be there for the initial event, and I'm I'm just hoping and praying that maybe maybe something starts with them. I would love to see that that happen. You know, Doctor Orr talked a lot about that Welsh revival because I believe he was Welsh. And he said, the, and this is how you know it's a revival, is because you see fruit. And with the numbers of people coming to faith in Christ and the church being revived in the middle of all of it, he said the crime rate dropped so much that the jails were empty. Mm-hmm. The, police, the police formed quartets and small choirs, and the police department would go around and sing, and there's revival meetings. The mules who worked in the coal mines— they had to learn a whole new set of vocabulary because the miners stopped cussing so much that they had to retrain the mules to understand uh, the directions they were being given. The language, I think the way he said it was the mules had to learn the uh, the, the uh, language of Canaan. And uh, so he, he said, so even the animals were affected mm. by this this revival. But yeah, you know, I've been asked, well, is this a revival? And I don't know about you, but some of the most skeptical people I've heard from or read are are generally pastors on the Asbury thing. And I think, you know, we are to test the spirits. But what I love is what you just said. That younger generation, well, all the generations need it, but that younger generation and, and, and God historically has done something with younger generations of students to start awakenings and revivals and prayer and confession and repentance and so maybe, you know, maybe it's these younger generations, which my generation is kind of, oh, man, they're, you know, they're they're kind of lost and it's so dark and it's so hopeless for them. And then all of a sudden you see this, you're like, okay, God, this is going to be, this is going to be, this is awesome. 
and uh, let's just hope that God God continues it. Pastor Daniel, we're going to end there. Any other thoughts for us? No, I mean, there's going to be haters all the way around. We know that. I do love that. You just test the spirit and you see the fruit from it. Time will tell. I'm reminded of two yep. things real quick. You know, Luke talks about in Acts, he says, shared a story and said, hey, we should try to stop this. It's like, man, if this is a move of God, you, you're going to be finding yourself competing with God. Don't try to s- stop it. And then two, you know, ask God to check our heart and our motives. But Paul says, no matter what your motives is, as long as Christ preached, Christ crucified, got up out of the grave three days, if your motives are off, we we still want to hear Christ crucified. So that's a heart that hopefully, you know, the Lord only sees that someone. So I I would just encourage everyone to pray, God, move, God, move. I mean, just think about the people are talking about it. No, people are hearing about it. And so hopefully God will continue to use that in people's life, no matter what their motive is christ be lifted up well we sure appreciate your words and sharing your experience with us today and very grateful for the time you've given to us here on kitchen table theology so thank you y'all check out pastor daniel he's a tremendous communicator of god's words and as we as i said earlier we'll we'll link better life church in our in our episode notes and you can go go check that out and until next time Just remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.